Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast. It is your host, Dr. Dimer Jones, physical therapist and fitness coach. Today, I am joined by a very, very special guest. I can say this guy a mentor, even though he will deny it, but he definitely is. Uh, Dr. Zach Long, thank you, sir, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, man. That means a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure, sure. Please let the audience know a little bit about you um, and just kind of what, what set you apart from all the other uh, physios and stuff out there. Oh, AKA the barbell physio. Let's not forget that part. Well, thanks for saying Zach Long, AKA the barbell physio. I was on a podcast one time where they, they titled it the barbell physio, AKA Zach Long. Yeah, they had to have done that on purpose. <laughs> that one kind of cracked me up. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a physical therapist. I, I was fortunate enough before physical therapy school to spend a lot of time working in strength and conditioning and uh, I've been lifting weights for a long time, coached tons and tons of athletes, taught tons of athletes how to lift. Um, and I'm just at a really fortunate spot right now where I'm um, able to combine the knowledge that I have from being a physical therapist and, and the experiences I have as a strength and conditioning coach to um, bring something a little bit different to the table than what your average physical therapist brings in. And um, just unbelievably fortunate that through social media and my website and my seminars and I'm able to speak to a lot of people and uh, teach a lot of physical therapists how to make better decisions when treating CrossFit athletes or help uh, coaches make better decisions on the work that they have athletes do or help athletes make uh, more informed choices about what they do to improve their performance. So I got a pretty freaking awesome job, man. I'm a lucky, lucky guy. <laughs> hey, look, I, I envy your job, and I'm trying my best to, to, to uh, emulate it for sure. Please tell the good people out there, what is a physio? So a physical therapist is a, is a profession, a licensed medical profession, um, whose goal is to help restore human movement. Right. Whether that means, you know, you're a CrossFitter and you're having some shoulder pain so you can't do overhead press or jerks. Or, you know, grandma tweaked her back and she can't pick up her grandkids right now. Our job is to help individuals with pain or movement limitations get to where they're, they're performing those activities better. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just want to, like, set that framework. But, like, what's a physio? What's the difference between a physio and a physical therapist? Like, oh, let me explain. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, definitely, like I told you before, I definitely got the idea in the kind of the mantra in uh, the name physio from, from you. So, Definitely thank you for creating the high impact physio. So cool. Yeah, so yeah, let's just dive right into this. Um, you know, as an upcoming uh, clinician and, you know, coach myself, please tell me, you know, how much are you kind of going back and forth between, you know, being a physical therapist? Is this, you know, on the coaching side or the strength and conditioning side? How often throughout your day are you separating the two at all? Or is it always combined, especially in your setting? Um, you know, that, that's kind of hard to answer because mm -hmm. the way I treat it is a lot more of a coaching style than it is like a nice. hands-on physical therapist. Uh, let me give you a, for instance, um, somebody comes into me with pain with a squat, you know, a lot of physical therapists are going to, you know, get them on the table. They're going to start poking around, feeling around, moving joints around, mobilizing, whatever, doing these little corrective exercises. I never start there. I always want to start with coaching the movement because nine out of 10 times there's some small cues or positional changes I can make in that, that larger movement pattern that will create immediate changes in that individual's pain. Right. Um, 
so it's hard for me to distinguish how much do I coach versus how much am I a, a physical therapist. And even the way I, I treat when I do have to do hands-on stuff or I do have to give corrective exercises, I like to coach that a lot more than I like to have people come in. I don't like, you know, people don't come into my office two or three times a week. Most people come in, you know, if it's a, a normal pain problem once a week, once every other week, once a month. And it tends to be more of me discussing principles with individuals and giving them ideas for how to progress their, their own rehab. I don't think people need to be in the physical therapy office as much as uh, so many old school clinics are set up. I think people are going to make much more informed decisions and better follow through when you teach them the right principles to follow. So if yeah. somebody's having like, like myself, I, I uh, strained my pec really good a couple months back. And what was my rehab? My rehab was training, but I was just following these smart principles of loading through ranges of motion and with weights that didn't stir up my symptoms. And so my, my pec strain rehab was bench press. <laughs> and then I tend to do that the same way with my, my patients. Yeah. You might have some corrective exercises that they work on to improve their positioning or their mobility specific to it, a movement like a squat. But, you know, for the most part, I want them to still squat and we're going to be having them thinking about certain things or loading certain ways to promote healing while maximizing their fitness while they're rehabbing an injury. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely um, try my best to emulate that as well. Like if someone has, has an issue with squat, we'll look at squat. If it's overhead, we'll look at overhead, it's snatched it's natural and so forth. So yeah, definitely a combination of, of both is, uh, is needed. So getting to, um, you know, actually uh, programming and treating fitness athletes per se, first of all, tell me how awesome that is. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's a population of people and by fitness athletes, um, what I mean is anybody that's like a crossfitter, an Olympic weightlifter, a power lifter, um, bodybuilder, somebody that likes to do, fitness as their main sport that is trying to improve their performance around barbells, kettlebells, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's their tool of exercise. Yeah, absolutely. And then they're, uh, they're go ahead. Super motivated to get better. And you know, they, they really listen really well when you have modifications to their training that allow them to stay active. They, they kind of fall in love with you when you're not the provider that sits there and tells them, Hey, you need to stop squatting for, four weeks and instead you could say instead of doing a back squat why don't we work on your front squats for a period of time because that's going to stress this tissue a little bit less and it'll still allow you to train the general squat pattern um people love that and um just because they're so motivated it makes it a really easy population to treat and have fun with treating yeah no absolutely uh, awesome what are what are some things that you do for like programming wise are you doing a lot of the programming there while they're with, they're with you is it online programming you know, tell me a little bit about that. Um, from a programming perspective, I tend to not program str strength for people. Like I won't program your CrossFit workouts. I won't program if you're an Olympic lifter. I won't program your, your program. Um, that's really difficult to do, to do very well, I should say. There are a lot of people that can program. I don't believe there are a lot of people that can program really, really well. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I just don't have the time to do it. I used to do it a lot more. Um, it's just not high on my priority list of what I need to be focused on right now. Um, I do program and, and sell on my website like some uh, programming to work on specific skills or mobility limitations. Like if you know your squat mobility isn't where you want it to be, I've got you know 
standardized programs to, to work on improving that movement pattern that aren't individualized for the person just because individualizing that stuff just takes more time than I currently have available for myself. Um, I do a lot of analyzing athletes programming though. Yeah. So that's where as a physical therapist, having knowledge programming and having a lot of experience programming in the past really helps me out. Cause I can take a look at somebody's, you know, powerlifting routine that they've been doing over the last eight weeks and, and maybe identify some areas where maybe they've overloaded certain tissues and help them make smart tweaks to their programming to allow tissues to heal or to, to potentially get ahead of any injuries happening. And that's certainly something that I think a lot of, a lot of physical therapists are missing out of right now is we have to have that in-depth knowledge if we want to provide excellent care to this population. Um, but doing programming myself is not something I'm, uh, have a whole lot of desire to do right now. Yeah, no, and uh, you, you touched on something really important, right? Like if an athlete comes to you and they come with this particular uh, symptom and, and like it's been going on for four to six weeks and they're telling you all this stuff and the first thing you say, well, you know, let's hop on the table and look at this instead of it being a conversation where it's like, oh, okay, like, you, like oh, you changed your programming in the last few weeks. Oh, you've been working more on back squats and now you're, you know, your hamstrings, hurts. you know, simple stuff like that. Like, I think that's so important for us to pick up on and then have that conversation. Like, oh, what changed in the last four to six weeks that all of a sudden this symptom aroused? Yeah, so, we, we get really caught up as physical therapists or as coaches so much on the technique of movements. And honestly, I believe a lot of people can get away with, with suboptimal technique. I'm not right. saying bad technique, but suboptimal. And, and not have injuries, and it, and it doesn't happen until changes in training volume uh, occur. So you get like this, you know, like you said, you start working on your back squat more. And now that little bit of movement fault you had with your back squat becomes uh, more problematic when you add a lot of volume on top of it, or when you have other stressors happen outside of your life. Like you, you don't squat with great technique, and you have a horrible night's sleep, or you show up at the gym after having a few too many drinks the night before, not you though. Um, and you're a little dehydrated and yeah. uh you know then that that movement fault becomes more of an issue yeah. i think having better understanding of programming is is probably more important than having super in-depth knowledge of the um finer points of movement or movement around a barbell i think we need to understand training volume and programming first yeah for sure 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 and uh i just want to bring this topic up and uh thank you for you know saying you know saying that uh, that's this this some awesome stuff but want to bring this topic up for all of those you know young clinicians out there even if they're veterans or if you know your coach or you you may already have this particular certification you mentioned on an you know on another live stream about a certain certification and you feel free to bring it up uh is that necessary are all the different certifications necessary in order to be a really good coach or so the certification is the cscs and and the only reason I, in that podcast that i did the sure. uh, podcast is pt on ice podcast the only reason i brought up cscs is because in the physical therapy community that, that's what so many physical therapists go and get this certification to basically tell employers or tell patients that they understand how to properly load patients right so it's just the most popular one but we could take what i'm saying about the CSCS and apply it to the NASM or, or any of the other organizations out there. Basically my thoughts is, are that those are great programs to, to kind of teach you some of the science behind strength and conditioning to teach you what's the rep range or percent of a one rep max that you might want to be at if you're working on a certain goal. But what so many physical therapists and coaches miss 
is, is actually the, the art of coaching. So they get the science down, but they don't know how to effectively cue an individual when you're trying to teach somebody that's brand new to the squat how to do it. Or they don't know how to cue somebody that, that's been doing squats for a long time but has a little movement inadequacy. They don't know how to properly cue people, whether that's using verbal, visual, tactile cues. And so my big argument is go and get that certification, but unless you're spending a significant amount of time coaching and actually programming yourself and, and working on the art side of that equation, then I don't think that certification is worth a whole lot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I definitely heard that loud and clear. I played around with getting CSCS. I got CrossFit level one because I wanted to be a CrossFit level one coach. And I'm in the CrossFit gym and I'm working with these athletes every day and I'm queuing and coaching and all that stuff. But I definitely heard everything that you said on that podcast. And, you know, it's, it's kind of what I've been hearing for a while now. Like, you know, you know, not, it's not enough to just get these things right. It's, yeah, so it's more important to train and actually be in this and coach people and see people and all that. So you're in the same spot as me, man. When I, when I was an undergrad, I worked in strength and conditioning for the football team for two years. I also coached at a high school for a couple of years and get to PT school. And I went and got the, uh, uh, NASM's performance enhancement specialist certification, their version of the CSCS. And I took the test and afterwards I reflected back and I just thought, well, Heck, that was a waste of $600. <laughs> I've been coaching for years. I know how to coach in queue. Yeah. Um, and I really could have gone out and just read a bunch of, you know, free articles online and free publications online on, you know, what are the rep ranges I need to be training at for certain goals. Uh, I could have found a lot of books and stuff to talk about programming. I just didn't feel like that certification actually added anything to my tool belt. Mm -hmm. And so you know, there's nothing wrong with getting it, but if you've been coaching for a long time, if you understand programming, will you maybe learn a few things from it? Yes. But could you maybe take that $500 or $1,000, whatever the heck it is to get that certification and apply it to something else that's going to have more impact on you? I believe for a lot of people, the answer there is yes. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. I, I completely agree. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. And then being honest with that, I didn't want to quit it on front street. It's a, <laughs> It's an, it's an individualized decision though. So I'm not saying that it's wrong for everybody. Yep. Maybe you've had no exposure to programming and strength and conditioning principles. Then it's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. but I, just, I know a lot of physical therapists that have their CSCS and honestly, like I, I wouldn't trust them at all to write a strength and conditioning program for me. It's just letters behind their name. Absolutely. And if I asked them to analyze my squat or my deadlift or my power clean, they couldn't tell me jack squat about it besides the standard old school stuff that, that we learned in physical therapy school. Like they'd still be telling me don't push my knees in front of my toes when I squat. So it's, it's all about the context. I'm not saying it's wrong for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for that clarification. And of course, we're not saying bashing anyone if they have any certification. It's, it's just more about like, what are you going to do that? The great thing that I heard from, you know, Dr. Quinn Hinnock, um podcast that we did like a year and a half ago was really about like, you know, like even with the DPT, even with the doctor of physical therapy, it just gives you the license to learn. Like if like that CSCS is what you need to start interning at your local baseball strength and conditioning gym, go get it. You know what I mean? But get yeah. it and actually use it for something, not just get it and say, I, I got this you know, letter behind my name and now I'm going to uh, just brag about it and not really do much with it. So cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. All right. Yeah. So, all right. I want to go to the CrossFit games. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I am an aspiring athlete that might have some uh, some nicks and deans, but for the most part, 
I'm fairly healthy. Um, I have a pretty good coach. What did what do you see? And obviously, you're not you know uh, you know full time CrossFit coach or anything like that. But what are some common themes with being around so many CrossFit athletes, being around so many highly trained individuals? Like you've done stuff at Clemson. I mean, you're you're literally all over the place. What are some common things that you see, rather be mindset wise, fitness wise, or just coaching wise, that these athletes just have available to them to be these world class athletes? So what what do high level people have? Yeah, available to them that, that allow them to perform that way. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yep. One of the big things is is the higher level athletes are going to be really focused and revolve their life around that sport. And there's a big difference when you revolve your life around your sport than when you're not able to do that. So somebody that that's able to sleep ten hours a day and eat six times a day and focus on being able to train two or three days a week is going to be at a much bigger advantage than somebody that, that has a, a 40 to 60 hour a week job, has a couple kids that they have to take care of and has to squeeze training in. And you'll see a lot of athletes that, that have so many different life stressors going on and they're still trying to train like they're an elite athlete. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I actually call them the, uh, the, the weekday warriors. <laughs> like, yeah, so the, you you so have a complete job, and now you're trying to be like the RX++ at the gym. Yeah. It's dangerous. They're, they're following Comp Train's regionals level programming Yeah, when they have too much going on in their plate, and they're just putting their bodies in a situation where they, they don't have the availability to recover like they should. Mm -hmm. So many elite athletes, that they really focus their entire life around their training, and that gives them tolerance to a lot more training volume. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I tell people even in the gym if they're, you know, uh, let's say they have to scale. I say, hey, we're 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 just trying to match intensities. Like these people, intensity level for high level athletes are uh, tremendous, but we may not have built that tolerance over time. You've been doing this for a week, and now you think you're refroning. That's a little tough to kind of come by. But let's just start off as the local person at the CrossFit gym that's just trying to make sure they hit RX uh, every day during this week. Okay, and then we'll progress from there. Yeah, for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, I like to nerd out about that kind of stuff. Cause like, what do they have that I don't have, but you're right. It's uh, more time. <laughs> well, what more time to commit to the, to that sport, which, which is, which is very important. Cool. What, what, what is a um, pretty, pretty cool story that you have out there for an athlete that may have been dealing with stuff for a really long time. They've been seen by the medical community saying, gosh, like, oh, I don't think you should do this anymore. I don't think you should do this anymore. They've been told multiple times they should stop CrossFit, maybe by their family or their husband or their wives or kids. Um, and then you just had a breakthrough session with them or a breakthrough moment. Can, a, can a, you speak to that some? Yeah, I mean, those, those sort of things happen a lot. Um, I had a powerlifter about a month ago that had been dealing with back pain for about four months, um, unable to lift at all. Uh, with his squat and deadlift, he got significant back pain. And it was, you know, from a, from a McKenzie mechanical diagnosis and therapy perspective, right. he was like flexion intolerant, low back pain. So his back really liked when he stretched it into extension. Mm -hmm. But when we looked at his positioning for his back squat, um, he didn't get any anterior knee movement during the squat. And so even with no weight on, he felt pain when he did a bodyweight squat. And literally all I had to do was tell him and coach him, 
to push his knees forward a little bit more, to access a little bit more of his ankle mobility. And when we did that, he had no pain with his air squat. And then we were able to take him and, and, you know, we had to work on some posterior chain mobility, some hamstring flexibility to get him into a little bit better of a deadlift position. But this is a guy that wanted to train. So I, I simply taught him how to sumo deadlift in the clinic. And we were able to get him pulling significant weights from the ground by just giving him a different variation to use temporarily while we uh, got his positioning for the conventional deadlift better. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I tell people sometimes, like, hey, let's do everything that feels good and let's modify the things that do and then slowly start to add the things that don't feel good right back in. Um, yeah. it's, 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 it's absolutely beautiful how simple things can be in, in life, but at the same time, that, that knowledge, that experience that you have is something that you just can't get from, you know, reading a book or, you know, seeing, seeing it on TV or, reading, or, or watching it on YouTube, which I love watching videos on YouTube. Oh, cool, cool, cool. As we begin to, you know, wrap this up, like you said, I don't want to keep you uh, here for, for, uh, for too long. Um, what is obviously your favorite movement, which I think I know what that is. And you know, what are some ways that you incorporate it <laughs> uh, daily or with athletes or with patients and so on and so forth? Uh, my favorite movement is by far the squat. Yeah, um, sure. there's, there's just so many cool things you can do with individual squat to get their, their movement pattern a little bit better. It, it tells you so much about how somebody overall moves. So yeah, that's by far my favorite to look at. Um, my second favorite, I'm, I would guarantee you would not guess this, is the push press, man. Oh no, dude, I thought I thought it was lower body, honestly. I, my, what's that? I, I thought it was something lower body. Like I, I thought it was the deadlift or something. Uh, squats number one, push press number two, man. Yeah. It, it takes, because you get an overhead press combined with some lower body and, and core work there. It kind of tells you a lot about somebody's coordination and where they're strong, where they're weak. So I love talking about and looking at somebody's push press. I mean, I have like my little cheerleaders who are bases. I have them push pressing sandbags in the clinic as a way to kind of analyze what do they look like when they're holding their teammates overhead. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's just so fun. Oh, that's just so functional. Yeah. You're, to you're totally right about that. Real quick. I won't ask you about your squat uh, because I know it's probably blowing everybody out the water, but what's your push stretch one rep max if you checked it lately or whatever. Oh man. I have not checked that in a yeah. really, really long time. Yeah, for sure. No, I have no idea. Yeah. No, I, I want to say last time I did push press, it was over three something. I'm not going to, I'm just humble bragging. 300. <laughs> yeah. It was over 300. I actually have a video on, on Instagram, I think it was like 315, so somewhere. But anyways, so cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I love everything you, you just said there. So squat and push press, and you mentioned squat. So for those that are listening right now, uh, Dr. Zach has been so gracious to assign an affiliate to the High Impact Physio to go get that master the squat uh program it is an awesome program definitely pick that up we'll put those in the show note definitely check that out like if you have any you know uh pain with squatting if you just want to get it stronger if you want to increase your mobility you know stability with your squat positioning and like you just want to hit prs out of this world please check out check check it out and again it's in the uh show notes so uh, Dr. Zach, um, any parting words for you know, young clinicians, uh, coaches, and fitness athletes out there? Uh, the best advice is to stay hungry. 
yeah. always be looking for new material. Um, get a lot of different viewpoints and then decide what fits best for you and your philosophies. Don't get too dogmatic and only follow one individual or one company's viewpoints on certain topics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, stay, stay as eclectic as possible, right? Right. Yeah, for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, and be, be willing to modify. <laughs> like if someone says, like, I know that this is going to work, be wary, right? Right, right, right? right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, thank you for that. Um, again, thank you for coming on here. Um, you, you are awesome. And, and, again, you are a true, true mentor to me. I watch everything that you put out there and uh, try my best to, you know, not necessarily emulate it, but, you know, have it be in the back of my mind saying, yeah, I, I think this is what he would do. So, cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for, for that, for sure. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast. And always enhance your sports performance, increase your wellness, and enhance your health. Cool. Thank you.